And we're back. This is Model Behavior. I am Michael G. Gable, and this is my podcast. Welcome to it. And I am back. I am back from the great white north. I spent last long weekend up in New Hampshire in a cabin in the negative 20 degree woods with my friends. This is the 15th year we've done this trip. Um, It's our annual cabin trip. And we spend it at a cabin in the woods of New Hampshire that has no electricity, no running water, no cell phone service, no Wi-Fi. And we heat it with a wood-burning stove. We haul all our gear in on sleds behind cross-country skis. And we spend the whole weekend just drinking beers, drinking whiskey, and catching up with each other. We do a little bit of skiing, maybe a little bit of skeet shooting, but mostly we just have conversations that are pretty similar to the conversations I have on this podcast. Well, not that similar, but (laughs) there's a lot more joking and a lot more bullshitting. But there is that element of um, connected conversation where you're not checking your phone and you're not watching a screen. You're just you're just talking and you're learning about what's been going on in your friends' lives for the past year because, you know, a lot of them are married now or have kids and don't see them as much as I used to. You know, we we cross paths at weddings here or there or college reunions, but for the most part, the cabin is where we where we catch up and it's a it's a really special tradition. It's one that I'm really proud of and um still recovering from it a little bit, but that's neither here nor there. What is here is uh, this week's episode with Emily Stern. Emily is a casting associate and actor here in LA, and she was the person who inspired the uh, intro where I talked about how I memorize things really quickly because she was running the room when I proved that I can memorize a page of dialogue in about a minute or so. And we talked a little bit about that again on this podcast, but really we talked about sort of lifting the curtain of what goes on in the casting process. I told a story about how her one of the agencies that she works for was the first audition I ever had. And I spent a long time waiting to hear back about that audition, which if you do commercial auditions, you know that you only hear good news, not bad news. So I never heard back from that one because I had no clue what I was doing and had no business booking that job. But There are ways you can learn to book jobs. There are ways you can be a better commercial actor and a better model in a casting room. And we talk a lot about those ways. And we talk about the people who do them well and the people who do them poorly. She shed so much light on the subject. If you're in this world at all or just interested in this world, this is an amazing, enlightening podcast. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, Emily Stern. Here we go. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Model behavior, episode 28 with Emily Stern. Um, so there's only one question on this podcast. Okay. And that question is, what were you up to when you were seven years old? Seven years old. Yeah. Um, Seven-year-old stuff. I was going to Christian elementary school. Ooh, I went to Catholic elementary school. So similar. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I even like remember when I was seven. I think it's kind of right <laughs> at the beginning of mem. Like six is kind of the beginning of memory, and the whole reason we asked that question at the beginning is there's a quote that says, "Give me the child at seven, and I'll show you the adult." Mm. So the idea is that whatever you're doing at seven, whatever you're into, whatever your life is sort of built around, will yeah. set you up to be the person you're going to become as an adult. So I was running around outside and making weird art, which is basically mm. what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, 
when you're an actor so yeah that's such a good question i mean there wasn't like an opportunity for any of that stuff um in virginia a tiny town in virginia okay there just wasn't yeah i mean i was like always doing church stuff there wasn't there weren't plays there weren't i mean we didn't even i don't know why but i feel like it's typical for churches to have like you know the christmas whatever and the choir and the band and all that stuff we had choir and stuff but i was never i'm not a singer so i don't do that but in this house full of musical instruments yeah it's just not they're not mine (laughs) (laughs) i like music but now i don't sing um i feel like i'm failing at this question no, so let's connect the dots. How did we get from tiny town in Virginia to big LA? Um, so when I was like 17, I realized that I had enough credits to finish high school semester early. Sweet. And so I decided to do that. And my parents are weird in the way, lots of ways, but weird in the <laughs> way that like, I feel like lots of people are pressured to go to college. Like it's just a given. Yeah. My parents didn't discourage me from going to college, but it was n- like never brought up. Really? They they never asked like, are you thinking of college? Yeah, how's your applications go? going? None, nothing. Like, and sometimes try to not like live in the past. Sometimes I like get mad about that. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Did you end up going? No. <laughs> no. Like, of course not. Because mine I was mean, the opposite experience. You're it like was forced like, to go. It was like, it wasn't even a question. Yeah. Like, there was no, it was not like trade school or yeah. art. Like I, not even art school was on the table. And I kind of wish I'd gone to art yeah. school because I ended up studying fine art. But it was just like, you're going to college. You're going to the best college you can get into. And that's right. what I did. <laughs> right. And I, yeah, I mean, I think there's like, there's so many feelings on every side, on every side, like regarding all of this. I, I don't regret it. I've gone to like a few. <laughs> few semesters of community college over the years just because I think I fell into that trap of like I need a degree but I didn't really ever I think education is amazing I think if college was free then I like definitely would have gone I okay so when I was 17 I graduated high school semester early my oldest brother was living in Orange County and so I was like this is my ticket out of Virginia because I knew I didn't want to be there yeah and so I moved to Orange County and then I got a job as a live-in nanny in Beverly Hills. And I did that for a while. And then I did act in high school a bunch, but I just never thought this could like be a thing. Right. Same growing up in Missouri. It's just like that's so far away from yeah. reality. It's you don't you don't chances are if you grow up somewhere like that, you don't know anybody who's an actor. So yeah. you can't even like dream of it. Um and then I started taking acting classes here just because I was like, I'm here. Why right. not do it? And um, I quit the nanny job. And then I actually, when I was 19 or 20, I was like very underemployed and I was looking on Craigslist just at jobs. And there was this casting internship, an unpaid six-month casting internship. (laughs) And internships, I feel like they're so, like, fucked for so many reasons, especially just because it's, like, like, you have to be very privileged to even be able to do that. Right, when you're not, like, in college to have with student loans or something covering your bills. Yeah, like, I was baby... I was still babysitting all the time, so that's how I was able to swing it, but... 
So I did this unpaid casting internship and it was for um, Dream Big Casting. They also have Space Station Studios. It's like the same thing. Yeah. And so I did it for six months. And then at the end, they were like, well, we don't have like a casting opportunity for you. But if you want, you can manage like Space Station, all of the studio. And I was like, great. So I'll do that. So I did that. And... Then I started taking classes with one of the owners, Dan Velez, because he was an Mm -hmm. acting teacher too. And then I started managing the acting studio. And then I met, I'm like freelance with casting, but I met one of my bosses doing that because he would just come in all the time. And he was like, do you, do you want to learn how to do camera? Do you want to do other stuff? And I was like, yeah, that would be great. But nothing really ever came of it. And then Dan Velez like died super young, tragically, out of nowhere. And then I reconnected with one of my now bosses. And I was like, is that still a thing? Like, I I don't want to manage this place forever because it was like minimum wage and just not what I wanted to do. Yeah, nine to five, like very... Yeah, just like boring. Just doing like... yeah, clerical stuff or whatever. So, And did you also have this, I mean, you're taking acting classes, so did mm-hmm. you kind of have that itch of like, I don't want to be doing this, I want to be doing what the people coming in are doing? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think as an actor, like the job that I have is nice in a lot of ways because I feel like you learn so much. Like like it's the best way to learn. Like you see yeah. what to do and what not to do. Because I know you as a camera op. Yeah. I've gone into your casting office. I, I think my first audition ever was with that casting wow. company. It was for a French McDonald's commercial back seven years ago. Okay, that was pre-me, but... Yeah, I don't think you were running the camera. No. This was a long time ago. And I remember going in and we had to like eat a hamburger, a fake hamburger, yeah. which was probably a slice of bread or something. Yeah. Like take it out of the bag, eat it, and then start dancing because it was so delicious. Yeah. And this is my, like, I didn't know how slates worked. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know how anything worked. And then I remember just like waiting to hear back. And <laughs> you never heard. <laughs> and I never heard anything, <laughs> yeah. obviously, because you only get good news. Yeah. And so like if you're, you get a call back, that's great. If you get an avail, that's great. If you get yeah. a booking, yeah, tremendous. Yeah. But like, it's still kind of a mystery to me, like how it all works. Like yeah. from a client reaching out to a casting director and saying, this mm-hmm. is what we're looking for to them picking, hopefully me for the yeah. job. It's sort of like this behind the curtain mystery. Yeah, I think it's really, I was just talking about this with somebody, I don't remember who, like two days ago. I think it's really interesting that so many actors, we're all going to, cl- or lots of us are going to class like constantly um, in LA training and they never talk about like how it works, the casting part. And I feel like I was talking about this with one of my bosses and we were like joking, like the casting couch thing, like that wouldn't be a thing if people like actually knew how it worked because people like actors to me even will like suck up all the time and like I don't hate it. (laughs) I just feel like, (laughs) I feel like it's like very missed directed because yes the cast like the cast director has to like you or at the very least like your look to call you in yeah but they're not making the final decision right it's the client and the director like sure if you come in and you're 
like very rude to me or very rude to the assistant in the lobby or just rude like in general like we might hide your audition yeah it takes a click and unless like, you just nail it yeah <laughs> and that's you know i've taken classes like killian's workshop killian was on yeah, this podcast yeah. and he really kind of breaks down the walls because he was a working yeah. and i don't know if he still is a working yeah. casting director but he had a yeah. big casting company and you know if you take his commercial audition class mm-hmm. or even his callback class he really mm-hmm. breaks down the process in terms of why is the callback room so awkward? And like, why yeah. is it like, why don't they look at you? And why does it feel like you're being ignored? And how can you yeah. use that to your advantage? Yeah. So that's so helpful. But yeah, it's like, I see you week after week mm. in rooms. And eventually it's like, hey, what's your name? Like, right. I'm not sucking up. It's just like, I feel right. like I know you. Yeah, it's and very, it's like, yeah. You know? No, it's very weird because like, LA is small and I'll be out like shopping at Trader Joe's and I'll run into somebody who I've auditioned maybe 200 times, but I don't know their name. But I normally don't feel bad. Like sometimes actors that I've auditioned a bunch of times will be like, I'll forget their name, but I'll know them just because I'm like so frazzled. And they'll be like, you don't know my name. And I'll say, what's my name? And they never know. Right. They never know. Because you, I think you had learned my name and then you're like, what's my name? And I was like, I don't know. That's you're, you're, fair. You're like, 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 I've told you before. And I was like, yeah. I think you're lying to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And sometimes I feel like I should wear a name tag because it's Yeah, unfair, because you, but... you have to enter our name every time we come in. Yeah, so Whereas it's definitely an advantage. You're not like, it's like, how's it going, Michael? Uh, me, Emily is doing great. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you know, you never have to really... It's all about the actor coming in. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of curious, like just briefly, like how mm -hmm. the process works from like, I don't know if you're the one going through the initial submissions from the agencies or like, you know, even people submit online on LACasting.com without an agent. But, you know, someone like me, like you probably see that headshot or whoever sees Mm -hmm. that headshot knows like, oh, this guy shows up to his auditions. Mm -hmm. He generally does a good job. Mm -hmm. He may not be right for everything we bring him in for, but he, you know, he follows the guidelines and whatever information we give him. So that's what I think gets you to keep coming back to, you know, the same casting director over and over again, which is always refreshing that you have that relationship. Yeah, I think that's such an important relationship to build. I think um, I don't normally go through submissions, it just depends who the casting director is. Lots of cast directors have assistants and associates going through submissions. Lots do not. Um, but I've done it before. And I can tell you, like, it's different for every casting director. But some casting directors, there's, like, a tab on the casting sites where they can just, like, go to their five favorite agents mm-hmm. and go through those submissions and then they're yeah. done. I think they're pretty lazy I mean, there's other cast directors that I work for that will try to go through every single submission. And if you if you could see it on the screen, then each person's headshot is like maybe two inches, not even that. It's like a cracker. Yeah, a tiny cracker. And so if you have a bad headshot, like unless if it's a really like specific, interesting role, you're not getting called in. Mm-hmm. You're just immediately like, yeah. Yeah. Um, does that go the same for as if someone's unrepresented do they have to really fit the role and yeah, have you know, I mean, clean work to like even be considered i'd imagine well some it, it really just depends on the cast director some cast directors just because like okay so this this was maybe like five years ago i was running somebody's session and it was a national Domino's commercial i think it was two roles they got over eleven thousand submissions God. People don't realize, like, I mean, it was a big national commercial, so it's not like that every time, but people don't realize how many, um, yeah, just, like, 
just the competition is to get in the room. And, and that like, makes sense why they'd go to their top five agencies because I have a few, I have, you know, a fitness agency and yeah. a commercial agency and then I have an agency in Orange County that also yeah. submits in LA. And I've noticed that I will go from certain agencies to certain casting directors. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be sitting, like I was just sitting at a casting that I go to, I don't know, once a week at least. Yeah. And I noticed I'm there with a certain agency. I noticed the guy sitting next to me was yeah. had his sign-in card and he was from another agency I'm with. And I'm like, well, why didn't they send yeah. me that audition as well? And it's probably because either... They submitted you, they just didn't... Either they submitted yeah. me or like the casting director has certain favorites from that agency yeah. and they know that I'm going to be submitted from this agency. So you kind of have to just trust the gears of the machine yeah. to some extent. I mean, I think every actor, almost every actor that I'm friends with is not happy with their agent. Really? They're They're not, they don't feel like they're being sent out enough. And I just think like, Yes, your agent works for you, but it it has to be like a working relationship. And like chances are they're submitting you. They want to make money off you. You're just not getting called in. But yeah, there is there are so many submissions and cast directors only have so much time. I work for people that are up till three, four a.m. every night because they are very into their job and they want to look at everybody. But most people, lots of cast directors, when it's six o'clock, they leave. And Mm -hmm. so they're only going to take a little bit of time. And if they know they can just go straight to the, their favorite or their top agencies, that's what they're going to do. And is it, is it always just top agencies or top actors? Because I'm sure, you know, agencies are always getting new people that they want to come bring in and try out. But I have to imagine that they want to bring in, like I said before, reliable people Mm -hmm. who they know, can follow direction and they know their look to some extent. Maybe they've grown a beard or maybe their hair's changed slightly, but you know, they know what they look like and they, the casting directors I've spoken to have always kind of said that, and this touches on something we were talking about before the podcast where yeah. it's like, if you're being brought in for a role where you don't think you're right for it, that casting director probably has a reason yeah. that he thinks maybe putting you in front of this director or this client will make them change what they think about yeah. the role. So you know, if you're going in for a young dad role and you feel like you're way too young to be a dad, get like, over it, get over it <laughs> yeah. and go in with the confidence that for some reason you fit that role. Because I feel like if you go in with that energy of like, there's no way I'm going to book this, you're you not probably going won't. To. Yeah. But then again, the auditions that I think go the worst are the ones I end up booking. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, what do I know? <laughs> I mean, I think it, I think it's like hippy dippy, but the energy you give off like is a real thing. I mean, as far as like, is it just the agents or is it the actors? It's way easier from a casting standpoint on the casting sites to click on the agents or whatever, yeah. you, like versus searching for somebody. Right. And chances are, if you click on one of your favorite agencies or top agents, that person you're thinking of is going to be submitted. I mean, mm-hmm. There's maybe just off the top of my head, like 10 actors that every time they're called in, depending who I'm working for, I assume they're going to book and they usually really? do. Yeah. And like. Is Danny Faisenfeld one of those guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a monster. He's. <laughs> he's so good. Yeah. He's so good. <laughs> yeah. I got to get him on this podcast. He's so good. I mean, in like. Back to the whole, like, if people knew how it worked, maybe they wouldn't suck up to cast people. I still stand by that, but somebody I'm thinking of in particular, it's like every time he comes in, he's, I've never auditioned, he's never had, like, I've never auditioned him and he's not done amazing. Mm -hmm. And 
casting directors like yeah if they have somebody that's really good every time of course they're gonna love them because it makes their job easier and so this person i'm thinking of as soon as i see them in the lobby i'm just assuming oh they're booking this role (laughs) and they usually do and like is he in my category (laughs) no he's not he's not in your category and so i'm like thinking of this one person the last time they came in and they did book it i knew they were going to like just because like yeah it comes down to the client and the director but the casting director can really sway things and put things in their head so this person came in and they killed their audition and when they left i went and talked to the casting director that i was working for before i brought anybody else in i was like hey so and so like just did really good they really liked him like you should go in there and then he'll go in there and be Mm -hmm. like hey so like that guy i mean we're done right and so you can like they'll plant the seeds and then like they probably they likely would have gotten booked anyways but just to like hammer well and as part of that do you guys get feedback from the client in terms of how an actor was on set if they're really really poor like if they yeah, it's like no if news they is behave, good news. yeah, if they behave really, really poorly. I mean, sometimes they'll. I um, have heard from people I work for. Sometimes clients will email and be like, "Thank you so much! Like everybody was amazing, or they yeah. really killed it." But I mean, yeah, you definitely hear the bad stuff but. because you're not going to go in and give that little extra push for someone you know has shown up late or no. And I will say, there. There's an actor I'm thinking of who's really great. She's really great. She books all the time. And I feel like you might have to cut this out. Maybe not. But <laughs> so, no names. <laughs> yeah. There was this girl who came in and she was really great. And the cast director I worked for had told me earlier, he was. they said, you know, I'm not going to call this person in anymore because on a previous job, they had to play a character like a job they auditioned for a commercial they had to play a character that had a same-sex relationship but it was like with the robot they weren't even gonna have to like do anything and they said like i can't do this even though they i think it was like when they got booked or something so the casting director had told me like yeah i'm not gonna call this person in again they had only called them in because they were struggling with that role and after this girl auditioned she did really good and the clients liked her and so then i went and talked to the cast and i was like i think like they're gonna want to book her and then the casting director went in the room i was like hey guys like i just want to let you know and like called them out for their homophobia and then they didn't book her wow <laughs> so like yeah i don't know every cast director is so different and right. not everybody's gonna care about stuff but yeah well let's talk about your specialty which is in the room yeah so people who don't know when you go into a first audition it's just you and a camera operator Mm -hmm. usually sometimes if it's they're not going to have a callback there might be a producer or client or someone from the agency or the director but that's rare usually it's just you and someone like emily who i've seen a hundred times in my time in la and you you know that they don't necessarily have like a ton of power. They're not picking mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. but they are running the session and they're mm-hmm. telling you they're playing director. Mm-hmm. And if you pretend like, oh, this is a scene that I'm acting in. One of the best piece of advice I got from Killian is like, mm-hmm. um, especially in a callback, he's like, pretend like you're on set. 
Like yeah. just listen to the director yeah. and give them what they want. Yeah. So if you kind of trickle that down to like, the first casting, it's mm-hmm. like, listen to that camera up because that's mm-hmm. your director. Mm-hmm. So like do the best job possible for them. Yeah. And I'm curious what kind of stuff you love and what kind of stuff just drives you fucking nuts because it's got to be, you got, it's got to <laughs> so run the gamut things. on a day-to-day basis. Um, It's crazy how people can't listen. Like, yeah. People are so nervous. They're so nervous, but it's also like, this is your job like how i don't know um i think i'm kind of a psychopath in a way where i want like so many ways where i want the link to look perfect and so if i i will like you've seen me give explanations and i will say like i'll do it a few times i'll say please ask questions if you have them like i don't want to have to do this so many times and that's say for an example for the slate i'll say when like First of all, I'll say like, I'm not going to ask you your name because they don't want to hear me say, hey, what's your name? Like Mm -hmm. at the beginning of everything. So when I point to you, say, hi, my name is, and then do your hands right in front of your face and flip them over and maybe like do one other thing. And it'll take people like eight times. Really? To get that right. And do you think that's because they're green or because they're just, they have an idea of how it's like, I always do my hands this way. So they just sort of like go into muscle memory. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they just... I mean, I think it's sometimes because they're green, but I just feel like it doesn't matter if you're green, just listen. Or yeah. like pe- like girls love to like make the joke of like as they're doing their slate, like willing to shave. <laughs> or like at, even though I'll tell them like, guys, the only reason we're doing hand slates is to make sure you're not missing a finger. That is the only reason we yeah. do it. And people will do it and be like, girls please excuse my nail polish i'm like why are you calling attention to well i've I've worried about that too because my hands have been beat up from years of rock climbing i have like a black fingernail right now and like (laughs) maybe that's not great but like i've learned maybe but if they love you they're gonna find a workaround to your fingernail because i have heard that it's all about do you have 10 fingers it really is yeah especially for stuff that's like we are holding a phone or driving a car and in the five years of me doing it it's only I've only had one person that was missing a finger. Yeah. So it's kind. Sometimes I and think like, like, why do we do this? Because it's not. And then, but in casting, like, even now they're probably looking for people with missing fingers right. or like interesting yeah. hands, yeah. like freckles or vitiligo yeah. or you know ta- finger tattoos. Like I've seen so many breakdowns. They're like looking for like interesting tattoos, mm-hmm. edgy looks, interesting haircuts. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Chances are, if you have something weird about you, it's They're probably going like to set it. you apart. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest, my biggest like thing is just I get very mad when people don't listen just because people don't understand. Again, it depends who I'm working for that day, but there's days where I'm seeing 350 people and like I'm not getting a lunch break. I'm like not even drinking water because I don't have time to pee. And so yeah. for then you to not, for you to not listen or for you to like try to have this giant long conversation with me when it's clear that I'm in a rush. Like the best thing you can do is do your job and just and to shout out off. Yeah. yeah, to shout out you. Like it's such a it's so annoying when I'll ask people like, Are you sure you're ready? Like mm-hmm. if you are not ready, please leave and come back. Yeah. Because people will try to do it like eight times. It's such a waste. I remember one time you came in and you didn't know the sides. Yeah, and then you came back size. like 20 seconds later and you knew it. And I was so impressed because that was I a big kn- risk because I knew if I blew it, you'd be, you'd be like, okay, like yeah. I have to give this guy extra time. There's more people yeah, waiting. People never, never really are like successful with that. And I think that like speaks to you that you're a professional, but also it, 
sometimes I think the bar is so low. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Like, well, and that's like, if you didn't get the sides, that's not your fault. But sit there and go learn take them. thirty minutes. Yeah. Like, or if I tell you, like, we don't have a board today for you to read off of. Make sure you know it. Yeah, like, be I word know perfect it's hard, to the best of your ability. Yeah. And yeah, ask up top, like, do you guys want them word perfect? Because there's yeah. a big difference between yeah. getting the gist of it and getting, you know, six lines of dialogue word perfect. Like it, it can take a little bit of effort to yeah. memorize that, and like then not sit there and waste your time as you ha- saying you said someone instead of somebody. So right. we have to redo this. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I explained that story on mm-hmm. a, a previous episode about how I memorized those lines so fast. But yeah. It's, all about just like visualizing it and making it making it your own like making it your own thoughts like finding mm-hmm. ways to like create what they call memory palaces mm-hmm. um because memory is very spatial and very visual mm-hmm. and if you picture what you're doing and the scene in your head you can memorize things really quickly yeah um, i i just it's really wild to me how people will spend all of the time you know all the time it takes to go to an audition to find parking to sit and then not give themselves the time to come in and like where they're prepared and ready it just seems like such a waste to me and i mean talking about like my job i (laughs) act more than ever at my job because if somebody comes in and let's say they have dialogue and i just know they're not going to get it i can tell from the first time they do it and we're on a really tight schedule after they finish, even if they're horrible, I say this and then people like I actually like, like you will be like, did you do that for me? No, because you're good <laughs> at your job. But I'll be like, thanks, great so much. That's all we need. We only need one take. Yeah. And then they leave the audition thinking they did good. But it's, I just think it's on them. Like they're yeah. the one that didn't take the time. Like That's another piece of advice I got from Killian's classes. And I, I tell everyone to take yeah. Killian's classes because like yeah. I like giving little tidbits, but he gives so much information. Yeah. And he's just like, treat every show like it's the big show. Like yeah. treat every room like you are, you're in front of Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Like you're not going to be unprepared. Yeah. And he told a story about they were doing some big national commercial and they brought mm-hmm. in a bunch of commercial actors mm-hmm. and then the client pivoted and they're like, we want to bring in a big name. So they started mm-hmm. auditioning all these TV and film yeah. actors and Killian was like, oh fuck, like these prima donnas are going to come yeah. in and it's going to be like Tropic Thunder where they haven't yeah. read the sides and they just trust that like they're going to get booked off their name. And he said every single one of them nailed it like first try every time because they're pros and that's why they are where they are. So if you don't treat the little like $500 buyout commercial or the Domino's national with the same gravity, why do you deserve it? Yeah. Because of what you look like? No, everyone looks like you. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Like people. Yeah. People don't care about stuff or sometimes actors will come in the room and you can just tell they're, they're not into it like they think the spot is lame or they think it's embarrassing or something and i'm just like why are you doing this like you have to pretend that you like it at least like yeah i mean that's the thing i like about auditioning and i was when i first started auditioning i was so nervous like Mm -hmm. i could barely speak about myself and you get those personality questions where they're like Mm -hmm. what's a trip you just took and you have to just like be impressive and like off the cuff you know i kind of started treating it as a a forum in which it was okay to brag and just it like should be, yeah. you know just like be proud of yourself and like mm-hmm. you can be almost cocky you mm-hmm. know but definitely confident yeah because it's a place where it's okay to just show your biggest personality and that's fun if you go with that mindset of like i get to go and be like think i'm the shit because yeah. i am in this situation yeah. and i need to be but then when you have a weird audition where it's like 
you and three strangers in a car that's made out of four folding chairs mm-hmm. and like a you know a steering wheel that has no <laughs> connection yeah. like yeah it's silly but we're all acting because we like to make believe and yeah. pretend like we're still kids so yeah just have fun and like you know that the people in the waiting room can hear you being silly but like yeah. just block that out yeah do your thing and then leave yeah and go on your day yeah because it's a fun you know brian cranston talks about how auditioning is your job the rest right. is all just like money making yeah you know yeah and auditioning can be really fun if you allow it to be mm-hmm. and if you give yourself the space and like the you know the childlike imagination to just play yeah and that's what it is yeah yeah you have to find the fun in it i mean i know plenty of actors that are like oh, i just like want to do theatrical stuff like yeah we all do yeah. i think that's yeah. all of our dreams but if you can make a bunch of money from doing commercials like yeah you can find the fun in it and commercials like are getting cooler and cooler and like there are stories and like i mean directors yeah yeah Yeah. you have to you have to find a way to enjoy it or what's the point i think it's not then it's not for you yeah if If you're like struggling to enjoy it then to do something else i mean every day i'm not on set is a day i want to be on set if that's for if that's not the case then like Get you're doing the wrong Get out of the thing. Way. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what happens to people over time is they just sort of burn out and mm-hmm. they lose the energy, they lose a the spark and then they stop booking mm-hmm. and then they probably fall by the wayside and that's <laughs> Less fine. Competent. Yeah, go No, buy. I think it's hard though. I mean, I think of, there's people we call in that will like, some for years where for commercials, like they've never booked but they're on a veil every time. I mean, that's yeah. hard. It's hard. But but it means you're doing something right if yeah. you're getting a veil. Yeah. I mean, someone picked you, the director, yeah. the producer, the client, and then they duked it out and, you know, the director won over the client. But right. you did your job. You know, yeah. that's another thing Killian says is an avail is just a booking without money. Totally. Right? Yeah, I agree. It's, um, yeah, the next best thing. But there are ways to kind of push you over that edge and there's classes you can take and, you know, just, I mean, any commercial class where you get to see yourself on camera is so valuable mm-hmm. because I've been to thousands of auditions and I've only seen myself on camera like a handful of times. And even when, you know, when you book something like, oh, we loved that anecdote you told about your dog. Mm -hmm. The director booked you because, you know, like you have a great Dane and he has a great Dane. Like you never know what got you booked, but there are tricks you can learn to give yourself the best possible. Mm -hmm. And they're not even tricks, they're techniques, I guess. Yeah. To give yourself the best possible chance. And an actor like... Danny Faisenfeld probably knows all those tricks, you know? Yeah. He's just one of those people that, I mean, I think like you too, that every single time he comes in, he's, he's completely prepared. Yeah. And like, why wouldn't he be? Yeah. I don't know. And I think he's just really embraced his type and like, yeah, I don't yeah. know that guy. He's been doing it a really long time too. Yeah. He's been out here forever. He's one of, he's with one of my agencies and he's just like the top dog. Yeah. You know, and he's been, he's, he definitely knows his type. He knows mm-hmm. how to be friendly in the waiting room, but mm-hmm. not talk too much. He knows how to, you know, again, I think it's like get in there, be polite, and then get out because, yeah. I mean, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about is, mm-hmm. you know, I have two auditions, a fitting, a podcast. I want to try to work out today. Yeah. I have a date later tonight. Like, mm-hmm. I got a lot of shit going on, and yeah. it's not all like next door to each other. Right. And more often than not, if I have a callback and two other auditions, You're they're gonna all be late. they're all in the exact at the exact same time in yeah. the different parts of town. So, yeah. and I try really hard to never be late to always try Sometimes to it's impossible. to get in early if I can, or at least ask my agent what the window is so mm-hmm. that they know I'm coming in at yeah. 4 p.m. instead of 2 p.m. Um, 
but sometimes I feel really bad for the, you know, the casting assistants and the casting mm. associates because you guys are kind of like the desk workers at the airport mm-hmm. who like everyone's late, everyone's flight mm. is canceled, everyone's meter's about to run out and you guys are getting the like vitriol. Yeah. And it's like, that must be very hard to stay I don't know if zen about. I don't stay zen very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're getting the vitriol as much as like people will come in and be mad about having to wait or something and it's like what do you want us to do there's yeah. nothing we can do but i mean i think people like casting people are pretty understanding i have kind of a funny story this one person i work for sometimes they had called a person in and their agent like wrote in the worksheet like she's on she's on set today can she come later in the week and he and he responded like pretty rudely but something like no, we're only going one fucking day. Get her ass here. Yeah. Like, like when if you if it's I mean, some days commercials will will go more than one day, but normally it's one day. And like, don't ask if you can send a self tape. Like we get that all the time. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, it's also if you're booked, just take your booking. Literally, just like <laughs> yeah. leave everybody alone. Yeah. But um, what was your question? I mean, just yeah, dealing it's, with like. I mean, it. You know what I hate is when actors are late and they say there was traffic, there was parking. I don't yeah. leave three hours early. I yeah. don't care. You gotta. Or like if people are late and they come during like our five minute lunch and want to be put on because they need to leave. Like no, yeah. like because I've heard that there's some sort of like uh, like system in LA casting where you can get like checks and X's if you don't show up or you do show up well, or you're you late. Can, there's a thing, yeah, where you can make a note. So then just because the casting directors, if they're working on it, they are seeing so many people and you can't remember everybody. Right. Where you can give somebody, it's only for bad things, where you can, you can like, it's like a red something and then you can write a note like, never fucking shows up yeah cancels day of and then so they'll never call you in again but you have to do like pretty bad i mean i've actors like people can be the worst like people will just not show up to set for like a principal role and they're unreachable that's i mean that fucks so many people yeah i mean i i was late to set one time because i set my alarm for p.m instead of a.m how late were you so i was living in topanga and i woke up mistake yeah i don't live in topanga anymore (laughs) but i woke up to a call from the second ad saying are you on set and i was like (laughs) i tried to lie to get away no i like i like immediately like broke down and was like no, like I, I fucked up. I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, get in the car. I'm an hour away from downtown where the set was. Oh, that's like an hour with no traffic. It's an hour <laughs> of like me just like losing my shit being like, I'm going to get fired from this job. I'm going to like, my agency's going to drop me. Yeah. But I got to set. They got me into hair and makeup and I literally like walked onto set. Right. And it was my like, usually right. you get to set and you sit around for, for hours. eight hours. Yeah. And then like maybe they'll use you. Yeah. But this was like, they. I was first up and it was a huge Lay's commercial where I had dialogue and yeah. everything. And like, hopefully you, know, you knew your dialogue. I, I knew my dialogue. <laughs> it was a lot of improv, but yeah. you know, and like the second AD just covered my ass and I've never done that again. It was an honest right. mistake. You yeah. Know? No. And it happens. Yeah. That stuff happens ever. But I think the difference between you and lots of people is lots of people would have gotten the call and like see maybe if they would have recognized it's from the first day, they're just like not going to answer. Yeah. They're going to panic. They're going to think I fucked up. Like now I just can't go. Yeah. 
No, no, you gotta no. you gotta do your best, even when your best is shitty. I think. Yeah, that's. But lots of people don't think that, or people will show up to auditions the day before the audition is, or the day after, yeah. and then get upset. And I'm like, I can't. And I just think it's really interesting because what like auditioning is just job interviews. What other job interview would you show up to the wrong day? Right. I mean, <laughs> you do start to like you get a lot of auditions and like sure. the one thing I'm trying to be more diligent about is like double checking the dates of the callback yeah. and the book and like the mm. shoots because yeah. if I realize the day of the audition, like, oh, I have four auditions stacked, but this one, oh, I'm booked out for that callback. Like, and I'll tell it's my less agent priority. Yeah. Uh, it's less priority, but I'll tell my agent like I'm booked out for that. And they're like, well, it's really hard for us to cancel day of. And yeah. sometimes I just have to go and like, eat tell it. Tell them or yeah, you know, like just or tell them and like, but like. And people do sometimes book not coming to the callbacks. Yeah. It's anecdotal like evidence, but I've seen it maybe 5% of the time. I mean, that's if that pretty good i don't know yeah because it the odds rarely in this job happens like are, but you know yeah. less than five percent yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah i think you just gotta show up on time and not make excuses and and if you're late like just sit down and wait don't yeah. like like i was working yesterday and we were really ahead of schedule and there were clients and i like everybody was trying to get out of there and so i texted this girl i said hey could you come like 30 minutes early if at all possible and she just never responded and then when she did show up like 10 minutes after her original schedule time the clients had all stepped out for coffee and so then she had to wait like an hour yeah just and but she didn't complain like because yeah bring a book yeah look at your instagram yeah or do something this guy was meditating in your casting office the other day. He booked. <laughs> he did? Uh, I don't remember. This was a while ago. No. But I know who you're talking about, but he booked like the last, not that job, but the last job. It kind of annoyed me. It annoys me too. Yeah. <laughs> but like it worked. Yeah, it worked. I, it doesn't annoy me. I think it's annoying because it's LA and it's like really you're meditating. Yeah. But at least he's not bothering anybody. No, that's fine. It's like unnerving kind of, but. Yeah, I mean, even like the person reading the book sometimes is like, oh, you're reading a book, good for right, you. Like, like <laughs> wow, you're not looking at your phone. Yeah. I can't read just because, I don't know, one thing that's annoying to me is I don't really care if it's commercial auditions, but I've gone in theatrical auditions in the past like that I really, like could change my life really want. Yeah. And actors will come up to me and be like, hey, like you do this too? Yeah, and I used to be nice and talk to them, but now I will just be like, "Yeah, I do." Like, I'm really trying to prepare for this. Can you leave me alone? Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Like, are you doing this on purpose to fuck with me? Like, yeah. Some people have no chill in waiting rooms. Like, they just yeah. like they don't pick up on. They're very like Aspergersy about. Yeah, not picking they don't up pick on up the, on social cues. Well, like you could just be like, "I need to prepare." Yeah. I'm curious what other things you've kind of been able to take from the commercial world to the theatrical world because it's a different audition process, but there are definitely mm-hmm. some crossovers. I mean, I think if anything, the best thing I've learned from working in casting is just that you can't take anything personally like you can't take not booking stuff personally just because there's so many there's so many things at hand I think of stuff I've auditioned for theatrically that I really wanted that I didn't get and then I see that like a huge name got it yeah so you know they weren't even they were just auditioning 
regular people because they needed to show that they were like yeah. doing their job or whatever. And sometimes they're like, you don't even know if they're using you as leverage to get that person's rate down. Yeah. And then, you know, they're looking, the good thing about commercial uh, casting is it's pretty much a meritocracy in that like it's mostly based on your talent in the auditioning room and like mm. what you look like and do you fit the role. Yeah. But it's not as much based on your Instagram following yeah. or your credits or who's your dad or, you know, who your agent is. Maybe a little bit on who your agent is, but yeah. it's nice that you can kind of, there are things you can change in terms of what you're able to bring to the table that are in your control as opposed to things that are way out of your control in the theatrical world. Yeah, I the job I was working yesterday was a SAG, I think like SAG low budget feature. And I don't know who this director was, but as he worked all the time. And normally when you talk about like SAG and non-union or SAG and FICOR, normally like SAG people just like are better overall yeah. if you're doing like a whole day worth of people. But this was all SAG people like girls maybe my age and they were with pretty big agencies and all under i don't know if the cast director i was working for like requested this but under all of their notes section on la casting their agent had written their instagram followers because they all had hundreds of thousands but i was talking to my friend matt who's an assistant where i work sometimes and telling him about it like it was there was one girl the whole day that was good everybody else it was painfully bad yeah. and it can be discouraging because i mean i think the painfully bad people aren't gonna book so it's like who cares but like wow like they're but with they these might if they have five hundred thousand followers they're like they're with these incredible like theatrical agents and they're so bad like <laughs> painfully bad the yeah. whole day i was just dying and it's like yeah no i agree i think commercial with, that's the best thing about commercials. Yeah. It's just how your audition is. Yeah, it's nothing else. Where with theatrical stuff, it's like everything else is such a factor. There's so much to it, and I've I've really enjoyed being an anonymous commercial actor, and like my friends see me in a PetSmart commercial, mm. and that's fun, and my family yeah. sees me, and that's fun. Um, but I did talk about in the last episode how I went to Sundance, and now I'm like, mm, kind of want those bigger roles. Of course. Um, <laughs> And I'm curious what the perception is of like SAG versus FICOR versus non-union because yeah. some people say it doesn't matter anymore, but mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure in terms of booking big roles in TV and film, they want you to be SAG, full SAG. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm the best person to ask for that. I mean, um, I'm like SAG eligible, mm -hmm. almost like SAG most, must join. And I booked like a co-star on a Netflix thing as a SAG, SAG eligible person. I don't know because I don't know about theatrical stuff as much. I'll tell like, yeah, there's just so many different opinions and it's hard to know like who's telling the truth or who's right. Yeah. And, I mean, it's same with commercials, depending who I work for. People will say like the union's dead. The union's dying. It's I mean, I audition at older actors that are like, yeah, I used to be able to book five nationals a year and yep. I bought a house in LA and yep. now it needs to be like 50 and it I don't know what's gonna happen I really hope the union like makes a resurrection because yeah I don't I mean I don't think you can be a union commercial actor unless you're just crushing nationals but like yeah I'm booking I've been every, yeah. for years because most of the work I do is non-union yeah and, and it's like 
So then why wouldn't you be? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, really, you know it. I'm sure you know it depends who you ask. Like lots of union actors and union other people like really look down on FICOR people. Yeah. They're like, they're they're causing like the crumbling of the union. I mean, Danny Pheasantfeld's FICOR too. Yeah. You, I personally think you guys are smart. There's a reason you're FICOR because like obviously, I, I don't know if this makes sense, you're a SAG level actor. But you're going to be better than most of the non-union people, and that's why you book all the non-unions. And you can get those jobs. Yeah. And I know he does a lot. He's like getting into the co-star, guest star. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to be a series regular. Yeah, and he probably will be. I yeah. mean, he's put, paid his dues for sure. Yeah. And knowing that he's FICOR is good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, I can think of a few FICOR actors that, like, yeah, they book all the time. And I think it's, I think it's because they're, I don't know, not because they're FICOR, but because they're so... Just, I mean, I will tell you that if I'm doing a day, a, if I'm running a commercial session and it's a non-union commercial and it's, the role is like men in the age, like around the 50s age, that's going to, and there's two words of dialogue, that's going to be such a painful day, like pulling teeth because <laughs> yeah. it's so bad. And then if the same spot was like the same role, um, SAG, First of all, because of like SAG guidelines, we would only be able to audition like 80 people mm-hmm. and they would all, I would just have to hit record. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. And the FICOR thing, like some people say like, well, like if some theatrical cast directors see your FICOR, they won't even call you in. I don't think it's true because I yeah. know plenty of people that are and yeah, and it's like, it how, can, how can they fault you? You want to make a living? Yeah. Like, how dare you? It's not your fault the union stuff is going away. And there's so much new media stuff. And yeah. like everyone, it's all Netflix shows now anyway. Yeah. So who I don't. I don't think it matters. I no. think you're smart to be FICOR. I mean, I have to. If you're FICOR, can you eventually choose to be full SAG? Yeah, you can petition to go back. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard of some situations where Are you get like, cast on a series regular and like they ne- it's a network and they mm-hmm. need you to be... Fu- I mean, you can pull it off. It's the same I'm, as petitioning to be FICOR. You have to like, write a letter. And, really? Yeah, I think you just kind of tell a sob story about like, I had to make money. You know, it's like they yeah. know. They, and they want, you to, they want you to come back to full SAG anyway. So they're going to they let you want back in. Yeah, and that's another thing. I know people that are paranoid. Like there's people all the time that are not FICOR that are union stuff that act in non-union stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's anecdotal, but like they never get caught. Yeah, I think the only way you? you're going to get caught is if you're somehow in a national non-union commercial. I don't even know if that's a thing. Like, yeah, it's a thing. I've done them. <laughs> yeah. Then, but you're FICOR. Like maybe then you'd get caught, but, but not you because you're like, FICOR. Who knows? Like who, who's watching? Who knows if that's SAG or non-union? Yeah, and like who in SAG is watching like a, ra- like, a non-union short and seeing like oh i know they're yeah. sag like, yeah i think the main the more of the stories don't worry about it too much yeah just do whatever you need to do to make money i mean lots of people would disagree and be like you should just be sag but i would like making money and yeah i like money too <laughs> um know. what's up with your cooking club well i just started this instagram it's <laughs> very exciting i uh, like it i follow it um the end of last year, I wanted to, like, I just made a list of, like, 28 things I wanted to cook and bake that I'd never done. Yeah. And I, I've i definitely cooked and baked a lot. Like, eight years ago, I had my own vegan chocolate chip cookie business on Etsy. Really? So, I'm, like, not new to cooking or anything, but 
I started an Instagram because I just wanted to like keep a log of it. And mm-hmm. then I decided like, how can I make this something I haven't seen on Instagram? And it maybe exists and I just didn't look hard enough. But I was like, I want to cook stuff, but also like make it gay. Like as gay as <laughs> like as gay as I can. Like Wait, the cap- how? <laughs> okay, explain <laughs> like, how you're making like it. Like I want to make the captions gay. <laughs> like have to do with gay things. Like <laughs> I I just feel like the cooking space. I don't know. I the cooking space is not not gay. gay. I don't know. I grew up like super super like super tiny town in the south. Yeah. Evangelical Trump voting parents. Christian school. Christian. Like you weren't gay. If you were gay, it was a choice. And if it was a choice, you were going to hell. So I just like I want to like as a queer person with everything I do, I just want to be like loud and visible. Yeah. Just in the hopes like maybe one little kid will see it and not have to like go through that. So that's like my yeah. I mean, if thing. cookies are gay, then I don't want to be straight. So it's like that's that's a good angle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. They're just like the other day. I forget what I made because I'm like trying to post something every day. But for President's Day, I made brownies, and then I somehow like made the connection like fuck our president <laughs> and his homophobic policies. Like just make brownies instead. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, you that's know, a good angle. I don't know. And I think people, lots of people are still like so intimidated by cooking anything or baking anything. I'm and really it, intimidated by baking. It's not hard. Like with baking, your measurements have to be more exact yeah, than it's more of a science. cooking. But like if you can follow instructions, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like I got really into the Great British Bake Off. I've only seen the very first, like the pilot. Oh, you got to watch more of it. Yeah. But you really start to appreciate like a croissant much more. I haven't after made seeing one of those. Yeah. All the laminating and the, you yeah. know, the butter has to be cold. And if, mm-hmm. it's, if it's too hot, then it ruins the flaky layers. Yeah. And, uh, like it gives me a newfound respect for baked goods, which I don't need in my life necessarily. But Nobody does. The people <laughs> I live with, like, very mixed reactions. <laughs> but I'm telling them, like, I'm not forcing them to eat it. Yeah. Like, it's there, but... You should just bring them to the casting office and give them to all the actors. I could. Yeah, here's some gay cookies. Eat I them. think it's funny when you go to theatrical offices during the holidays at least my experience like we're all maybe it's a woman thing too we're all waiting in the lobby and there's tons of baked goods that actors have bought like as thank yous and the casting director will come out and be like come on like guys eat something and all of us are like okay but nobody's touching anything because we're like we're about to be on camera it adds 10 pounds i can't eat anything like it's really funny to me um what sort of roles are you going for theatrically your hair's growing back out i'm growing it a little bit are you gonna reshave it i'm trying to grow it like a few inches but um i like a shaved headed lady i really like my hair better that way too but i guess my hope was like this would open me to more roles yeah it hasn't really restrictive yeah i think even though it is 2020 and there's more weird things than ever or whatever i'm currently like kind of frustrated theatrically because most of the auditions i get are for non-binary roles and i don't identify as non-binary and i think people just have this idea that if you have if you're a woman with short hair you're non i don't know it's like an instant read kind thing 
And that's frustrating for me because I don't ultimately want to play those roles because I think like representation is so important and like non-binary people should get to play those roles. But I mean, the the Netflix thing I did, that was a non-binary role and I I did it because I would like... (laughs) That's kind of like me going out as young dad. It's like, should that go to a young dad? Mm, It feels different. It's probably different. I think it... It feels, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get, I get just lots of like gay stuff because I have short hair. But yeah, same thing when I had a shaved head. It's like that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I like my head shaved better than anything else. But I also would like a career more than anything. So like, maybe you should get a bunch of face tattoos and just go for like the really edgy. No, because there will <laughs> always be somebody with more. I know. It's so funny too because like when I first shaved my head. And I went back to Virginia. Like my family was very weird about it. And then, but, and then I tried to explain it to them. Like, guys, I go on these auditions and like for these specific auditions, there's 15 other white girls with a shaved head or like, I will, it's very weird. Or I remember when I first shaved my head, I was at a restaurant in LA waiting for a friend. And this girl came in who had a shaved head. And looked exactly like me, but like was somehow hotter. <laughs> I was like, guys. That's probably just your perception. I, I was like, guys, you don't get it. Like, it's not weird to have a shaved No, head. it's not I weird at all. Know. It's probably really nice. I have been trying to shave my head for a while. I just can't find a good excuse. Because I have to update all my looks and all my and portfolios. And you probably book way more with your hair like it is now. Yeah. So you're not going to do it because you're smart. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. what are the, What's the stuff that you're going out for theatrically mostly? Uh, theatrically, I haven't stuff? been going out a lot okay. lately. Um, but like my agent, my theatrical agent said, it's like a lot of cops, military, firefighter. Mm-hmm. You know, white guys are just kind of playing a lot of supporting roles right now, and it's it doesn't bother me because it's you like still want the role. <laughs> it's like, well, what is every little kid's dream? Is like to play cops and robbers yeah. and like to be a fireman, to be a, yeah a soldier. So it doesn't. I mean, like, I, you don't I know I'm not going to be like Ryan Reynolds tomorrow. So I, why don't I just be maybe a cop next for now? Week. Yeah, maybe next it's month. funny you say that because I have a friend who works theatrically, kind not a lot, but like a good amount, and he because you know it's pilot season. His manager had emailed him like two weeks ago and said hey like i'm expecting to get an audition for you for this role sent him the script it's going to be coming next week and it was like so many pages of dialogue of course he learned it immediately and then like the next day his age his manager was like sorry they told us they decided to go with a not white person for this role yeah and he's like yeah that's a bummer but whatever and she's like (laughs) i feel like this is adding insult to injury like she said, yeah, honestly, all the roles I've been submitting you on, that's been the feedback. Hmm. And I'm kind of like, why are they even listing the role as that if it's never ending up? I don't know. Well, maybe like, <laughs> it's like the kind of thing where someone who's not white comes in and the, the director's like, oh, you know, it gets the idea to change it. And I don't know. I think like for these, it's listed all ethnicities, but then... yeah. I don't know. Again, I think white people, we have had our time. Like, Yeah, we did fine. And <laughs> still, like, even though there's less maybe white roles ep- than ever, still most of them are white. So yeah. it's like, yeah, we can. It's just more balanced. Yeah. that it, There's that quote, like, 
What is that quote about oppression? When you're used to privilege, equality feels like oppression or something. Yeah, because it's the re-tipping of the scales. Yeah. And you're no longer just taking up the lion's share of everything. Yeah. Um, What do we have to look forward to from uh, Emily Stern? Um, Right now, I'm trying to make a short film, my first short film. Oh, cool. Directing? No. So I wrote it and I'm starring in it and I have a seed in Spark that's up for it right now. Um, I got, I've wanted to do it for like years and I wrote it last year in like five, uh, like an afternoon I wrote it and it's a true story and it's something I've never seen before and it's the story of a young queer woman who's sexually assaulted on a red eye and it's on my, a red eye? my true story. Whoa. And yeah, I'm really, really excited to do it. Even I've like recently decided even if the seed and spark doesn't get funded, I'm just going to spend all my money to do it because yeah. I, I don't know. I think like Mark Duplass always talks about like, just make your own stuff. Just make stuff. I don't want to wait. For, make it for less. Make it for cheaper. Yeah. Get I don't, more favors from friends. Yeah. I just like don't want to wait. I mean, I know we all want to work theatrically. Like that's our, I think most actors end goal, but I just don't want to wait anymore for somebody to tell me you can act. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, how does the Seed and Spark work? How can we direct people to it? Well, there's just a link and you can donate, you can follow. Probably yeah. through your Instagram bio? Yeah. Which is what a stern. It is what a stern. I can't help but think, why isn't it stern but fair? I think that should be your Instagram bio. <laughs> Maybe I'll change it. <laughs> I just it's like a joke with my friend Stern but fair maybe I'll change yeah I don't know why I chose that so what a Stern follow that and then find the seed and spark yeah that would be awesome that's a cool story that's yeah it's not not cool but (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) it's interesting I've never seen it before but if you watch the seed and spark like little pitch video I did it's something that's happening all the time if you look it up in the news my aunt just sent me something this morning that she saw yesterday do you remember elizabeth smart that girl that was like kidnapped in utah and all this horrible stuff she was actually assaulted on a plane last year like what and the fbi says that sexual assaults on planes are up 30 percent in the last year and they think that might be just because people are starting to like report Report it more more, but Yeah, there's just not good policies in place for that kind of thing because plan, plans are so cramped and like... Is it a situation where the people are asleep most often? Yeah. 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 Jesus. But... Well, that's, I mean, that's a great project to bring awareness to an issue yeah. that seems so resolvable. Just like yeah. look around people and like don't be a fucking shitbag. Or it's just... Yeah. I mean, don't assault or rape people. That's yeah. a start. But yeah, then just like the policies, I mean... I don't know what the right answer is, but there's because I've been researching stories about it. And, you know, there's times where like it this will happen and then they won't even like move the man that was sitting next to the girl or they'll move him maybe like to the front of the plane and the woman will want to like report it and then she'll get off the plane. And they will have like already let him go because they didn't have any evidence. It's just very like they need to come up with better well, it seems like he's, yeah, I mean, like, obviously a plane is not a court of law and there's, right. you know, there might be a marshal on there, but right. it seems like you got him on a plane. You <laughs> like, have him there. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's like her word against his and like the but world. that's how any cases that starts. Yeah. You know? But I feel like the world at large, like 
this makes me sound like a man-hating person. I'm not. I love men, but like the world at large, like doesn't care about women. I don't. Yeah, I mean, think. I I published a book about domestic violence and yeah. sexual assault, and we're working on getting it optioned right now. And yeah, um, yeah, it's like it's one of those things that seems like it should so clearly be a problem of the past, but mm-hmm. it's worse than ever. And it's like, why? <laughs> it's really weird when you talk to people about it, how they just don't care. Or like when these things happen, I feel like the question that's always asked is like on the girl, what was she wearing? Why was she yeah, there? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, like, why are we always coming to the like attacker's defense? Well, that's. I'm glad you're making that story. That's yeah. that's important. Um, do you have any last bits of advice for our wonderful models and actors and people trying to live good lives out there? Um, I think show up on time to auditions. Yep. Don't be annoying in the lobby. Learn your lines, and just be kind. It's like you can apply that kind. to anything. Like yeah. show up on time. Yeah. Do a good job. Be kind. Yeah. That's pretty much all it takes. That's all I got. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me in You're your welcome. lovely home. And where are we, Mid City? Miracle Mile, Miracle Mid City. It's a good area. I like this yeah, spot. It's really nice. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, bye, kids. Bye. Oh, you're really good. You're really good.